Our reading today comes from Mark chapter 1, and it's verses 9 to 15. It says, And in those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Did anyone notice what was missing today in Mark's account of the temptation of Jesus? Did you notice anything that was missing? I don't know, maybe like the actual narration of the temptation of Jesus? You know in Matthew and Luke how we get all the details about that Jesus was there in the wilderness and Satan came and tempted him and he gives all of those things that are said and done. Mark doesn't give us any of that. (laughs) We get two verses, two verses that Mark declares that Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights being tempted by Satan, and there were wild animals there, and the angels came and ministered to Him. Now, I wonder what you're thinking here. What am I supposed to do with this? So, Jesus is out in the wilderness with a little bit of a Siegfried and Roy moment, out there with the wild animals in the midst of things. What am I supposed to do with that? We feel like there's something missing here. Isn't there something there that we are so used to? See, Mark takes something away so familiar to help drive home a bigger connection. Mark is not simply giving us a how-to of handling temptation. Just be more like Jesus. Do this, do that, and it will all work out just fine. Now, what does Mark desire? Mark desires to build a connection to what God is doing here in that ministry of Jesus. That Mark connects that baptism, that temptation, and that beginning of Jesus' ministry so tightly and so succinctly as he begins to say that immediately he was baptized, immediately he went out, and immediately he started his ministry. Mark binds these things together. But what does that mean for us? In the midst of this, where Jesus finds Himself, in this great and grand moment of beginning His ministry, of hearing these words of affirmation from His Father at His baptism, and then beginning that great call of faith and repentance to other, is that what is it here of this temptation in middle. The fact is, is that the wilderness, that desert, that dry, dusty, dirty, desolate place that is alone and off by itself is not something that we simply go to. 
It is something that we all experience. That we find ourselves all in the midst of this life, wandering through this wilderness of life that is filled with all of those places, and we don't have to go far to find ourselves in our own wilderness of desolation or despair or dryness and aloneness when we begin to feel that question of why is that your wilderness can happen anywhere. The fact is, is that you may have a beautiful home with beautiful cars in the garage. You may have closets filled and rooms packed with all sorts of stuff, and yet it can feel like that wilderness of all of the bickering, all of the fighting, all of the arguing between spouses or parents and children in the midst of all of those picture-perfect suburban lifestyles. We can still feel that wilderness of the struggle and the trials and the difficulties of life. I mean, it's the same at work. You can have a job that is desirable to many, that you may be getting all the promotions and raises and everything else, is that all of the right relationships and connections and still feel like you are wandering in the wilderness because you hate what you do. That sure, from the outside, everything may look grand, but you know what it means to experience that very wilderness wandering. The truth is, is that we can be surrounded by people, we can be in a crowd and still feel all alone. We can have all sorts of good things happening in our lives and still feel depressed. We can have all sorts of things going on and yet simply find ourselves wandering in that wilderness. But the fact that Jesus finds Himself now in this wilderness of testing and temptation, of trial and tribulation, that this was not a mistake. Jesus didn't simply turn left when He was supposed to go right and just like, oops, I found myself here. But what does it say? It said the Spirit led him out into the desert where he would be tested 40 days and 40 nights. That Jesus now comes into the midst of this place. This place that did not happen on accident. It did not happen because he lost his way. It did not happen by chance. The fact is, is that it was very intentional and purposeful. That the Jesus Christ who would fight our battles, the Jesus Christ who would bear our burdens, now identifies Himself and goes out to that wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, just as the Israelites wandered for 40 years. Why? Because they stubbornly disobeyed. They stubbornly went their own way. God said, go this way, and they went that way. God said, come over here, and they said, we're good where we're at. Again and again, God has worked with His chosen people to come and follow, and yet they have stubbornly refused. And yet today we see that Jesus is still the one who is fighting our battles, the one who is responding as we too often have not. 
that Jesus responds with that very trust, responds with that assurance that Jesus goes where He needs to be, when He needs to be, how He needs to be. But what about us? When we find ourselves in those wildernesses of trial and temptation, of testing and problems, how well do we handle those things? How quickly do we begin to ask those questions of why is this happening, or why do I have to go through this, or why is this going on? Is that how am I going to get rid of this? And God, where are you in the midst of this? Too often when we find ourselves wandering in the wilderness, we feel like we are simply just not in control, that we are lost without a plan, without a purpose, without a hope, and we simply just want to be done. But what is it that this very account of Mark comes and promises to us today? That first off, it promises of that fact that God is with you in the wilderness. That God is the one who is with you in these times of trial, that you may not see it, you may not believe it, you may not feel it, but that very way maker is there in your life leading and guiding. That our God is with you in your wilderness. Just because you're in the wilderness does not mean that you are lost. Yes, there are times when our sin and our poor choices and its consequences put us in places where we do not need to be. But there are times when life will throw those very problems, will bring those dry and dusty spots of life for reason and purpose that is there. But why? Why would He do this? Why would He allow this? And why does He promise that He is with us in these things? I mean, Jesus comes immediately out there in the midst of this, of God has now announced His promise and His presence in His Son's life, and immediately He comes out to temptation and trial. The fact is is that we find ourselves in those same kinds of situations where we find ourselves in those moments where God desires for us to grow, desires for us to become. He is desiring to do something in our lives, and yet too often we are surprised by it. Now, why would we be surprised that trial and temptation might come? Why are we surprised by that fact that sometimes things are harder even for Christians than for others? Do we think that somehow just because we are children of the King that somehow then we just won't have all of those difficulties of others or all of those things of others? Then why would Satan worry about those who are already far from God's truth? The fact is, is that we find ourselves there because God is with us in them, that He wants us to grow as He desires His children to do so. The testing and trial is something that is good for us. I mean, let me just put it this way. How many of you going into an operation 
would like to hear that your surgeon has never been tested at all in all of his medical training. Never taken one single written test, oral test, never been tested, evaluated, affirmed, or at all any of that. They just figured, well, if he's in the class, then he just must be absorbing it okay. That is a deadly situation to be in. I mean, I wouldn't even want a plumber that hasn't been tested and tried and learned from his past mistakes. That's going to end up a very stinky situation otherwise. That we desire that fact that too often we desire to live a life free from trial and testing, but the Scripture says not simply that trials may come, but the Scripture says that trials will come. As one commentator says, that we begin this Christian life with that liberating experience of God's grace, penetrating to the depths of our souls. But God does not leave us there. The wilderness temptation follows as surely as night follows day, that He will not leave us half-healed, excited but unchanged that He knows that unless, unless we are liberated at the core, we cannot stay alive, that we cannot live a new life with old values, old motives, and old attitudes, that God wants more than a foothold in the door of our hearts, that He wants the whole thing. And so trials and tribulations and difficulties may come for God desires that we may grow. But He promises not only that He is with us, but He is the one who is caring for and providing for us throughout it. Then what does it mean that Jesus was tended to by the angels? That God sent messengers, God sent His servants, God sent others into His life to care for, to support, and even lead Him through this time, and God does the same for us. Now, He may not always be sending us angelic beings into our very existence, but God sends countless servants of Him, friends and family, brothers and sisters in Christ, those who come alongside us, walk with us, encourage us and affirm us and care for us in the midst. But too often, we're too afraid to admit it, too afraid to acknowledge it, too afraid to acknowledge and ask for it, that we are in a wilderness and we need the help of others. But God provides those very servants sent from the Lord. But when you begin to look at, the Mar- at Mark's accounts of the temptation of Christ, that He has connected these things so closely of baptism, temptation, and beginning of ministry. That this temptation isn't a surprise. It wasn't simply something out of God's control. No, this very temptation is this very promise to us, that God has a plan. He has a plan for Jesus, and He has a plan for you. That through those trials and temptations is that He has something that He is preparing you for, something greater that is there, something that He is leading you towards. 
that as Jesus now prepares for His ministry ahead, so also must we find ourselves so often there that God is at work in the midst of those times, leading us and guiding us and preparing us for what He would do. So how was Jesus able to get through? That how did Jesus stand firm in the midst of this? Is that what do we hear happens just before? That as He walked out of the waters of the Jordan River, as He walked out of that baptism, where He, the sinless one, identified with us, the sinners, where He who had no weights and burdens now picked up and carried ours, is that what does our Lord hear? That you are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Now, what does it mean when Paul in Romans 6 says that if we have been connected with Christ in a baptism like His, then how else shall we also be connected to Him in a resurrection like His? that Paul joins us with that very gift of Christ. Paul connects us with that very promise that what is spoken of Jesus is spoken of us for the very fact that in those waters of baptism, God has clothed us with a righteousness that is not ours, but a righteousness that came from Him. That in those waters of baptism, we hear that very voice of God spoken over us. That you are my beloved child. You are mine. (laughs) He gives us that assurance that we have no need to fear or worry. We have no reason to doubt or despair. We have no reason to worry that we are all alone in the wilderness, for He is the one who has promised that He will never leave. But how well do we remember those things? How well do we do at living in that way? See, this is how I usually like to get it across to our junior high confirmation students. How many here can tell me that you remember your birth date? You know, like that, that, you, you, that you can remember your birthday on a regular occasion. Yes. You know, as a, how many there? You are all doing pretty well? Now, how many can remember their baptismal birthday? I see some hands. Maybe not all hands. See, I was a pastor for probably about 10 or 12 years when I said, Kurt, you should probably know what day you were baptized on. You're a pastor, for goodness sake. You should probably know this. Then why didn't I know this? Why was I able, even from a young age, to know my birthday because we made a big deal of it? Why don't I know my baptism? because it's something that never was made a big deal of. I mean, I was talking to our confirmation class, I think it was a year or two ago, I was confidently up there talking about this, and I said, is that I know that on May 25th of 1981, I was baptized. My wife lovingly said from the back, no, you weren't. I'm like, man, 
In the time of test and trial, I failed. So that I know, I know now that on July 12th of 1981, I was baptized a child of God. But the fact is, how do we talk about our baptism? That I was baptized on such and such a date. I was baptized by such and such a pastor. I was baptized at such and such church. I was, I was, I was. Again, to bring up my wife, how do you think that my wife would appreciate it if I went ahead and always talked? Yeah, I was married. It happened a long time ago, though. I was, I was, I was. How do you think that would go with me in my relationship? Probably not very well, right? <laughs> but how often do we forget that we weren't simply that we were baptized, but that we are the baptized children of God. Today and every day, we have that promise of our Lord. We have that gift of our Lord, that He is the one who declares to us in every trial and temptation that I have given you the very armor of God. Therefore, put it on. <laughs> That in those waters of baptism, God has given us every gift that we need. But He calls us to remember it, to put it on and apply it to our lives, that we may stand firm in that day of trial. And may our God give you this assurance, that though you will stumble and though you will fall, though you will falter and you will sometimes get lost, <laughs> The fact is, is that God never loses you, that He never forgets you. He never forsakes or abandons or leaves you all alone. No, He has made you His own. And may He remind you this day and every day of that very promise that He has given, that you are His. You are His beloved. And so may that very promise give to you this day and every, that very promise of that peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.